You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Friday, the 20th of February, 2015, 4pm. A 999 call was made. Hey, sir, sir, please, how can I help? Um, it appears my daughter's gone missing. No one has seen her, no? No. We phoned around the family. All her friends have contacted us and asked where she is, and none of them know. What's her name? Uh, Rebecca Watts. Sixteen-year-old Rebecca Watts, known to most as Becky, had last been seen by her family the previous morning. She had left her home in Crown Hill, Bristol, with her tablet, phone and laptop. She had not taken anything else or spare clothes with her. She hadn't told anybody where she was going, and she wasn't responding to text messages and calls. This was completely out of character for Becky. She had never behaved this way or stayed out too late. She had spoken with her friend the day before, who said she had been her normal self and nothing seemed unusual or off about her demeanour. There was nothing to indicate that she had planned to run away. Becky had been born on the 3rd of June 1998 to parents Darren and Tanya. Before she was born, her parents had split up and her early life was spent with her mother Tanya. She would later be taken into care due to concerns of neglect. But not long after, she and her brother Dan started living with their father. She was described as burly and feisty with a wicked sense of humour, feeling confident to come out of her shell around those she knew. At school she was more quiet and shy, but her teachers said she was incredibly caring, kind and had a huge heart. She had a small but very close-knit circle of friends whom she adored and they adored her in return. Darren would later begin a relationship with a woman called Angie, who herself was a parent to a son called Nathan. When Darren and Angie married in 2013, Nathan had served as best man and Becky as a bridesmaid, along with Nathan's girlfriend, Shauna. Less than two years after their wedding day, their world had been turned upside down and Becky was now missing. After calling 999, Becky's father made a desperate plea on Facebook, saying, Please, if anyone has seen or heard from my daughter, just let me know she is safe. She went missing Thursday 19th at 11.15am to meet her boyfriend and never arrived, so he came here looking for her. She hasn't been seen since by any of her friends. Police have now started a search. I'm really scared now. I want her home. Detective Chief Inspector Richard Ocone said that what was alarming to police was that her social media had not been used. She was regularly in contact with her friendship group, but there had been no communication from her. The story was quickly picked up by the national media. Becky Watts, who's 16, was last seen at her Bristol home. It's the last point of reference that we can actually place her at. And clearly we're trying to look at what happened after she left 
It's five days since Becky left her home in the St George area of Bristol with just her laptop and a phone. Police say nobody has heard from her since then. Friends, family and the people that are really dearest to her that I would expect her to have regular contact with, at least one of those people, we've had no contact with her so we really are very concerned about her well-being. Police have searched open ground close to Becky's home, but say there have been no significant fines or breakthroughs. Five days on, detectives and the schoolgirl's family are mystified by her sudden disappearance. Becky Watts. It's really hot anyway because of the microwave. At home in Bristol before she disappeared. The 16-year-old is described by her family as quiet and shy. She's your... Um... Typical teenage girl, lots of selfies, music, fashion. Becky's father and stepmother told me today that her disappearance is completely out of character and they are desperate for news. Bex, if you can see this, get in contact. And if anyone out there knows someone, just tell us. Just bring her home safe. If you've got her, then put her somewhere we can find her. We want her home, please. <laughs> not in trouble she's she just wanted here we just want her back that's all we want the following day on Wednesday the 25th of February her family was asked to leave the home so that a search could be done but there was still no sign of her searches were also being undertaken by six teams in various locations including an area of woodland and three houses. The College of Policing and National Crime Agency were drafted in to help, and a helicopter was deployed to help search from the air. The nature reserve at Troopers Hill and a local lake were searched as well, but she was nowhere to be found. The hashtag FindBecky was circulating around social media, and police took to Twitter to get the news out there about her disappearance. The investigating team needed to talk to those closest to Becky to try and ascertain her last known movements and find out any more information that was relevant. They were trying to build a picture of exactly who Becky was, hoping that the answers to their questions could be found. They spoke to Becky's stepmother, Angie. Shauna heard the door go, so I, she was assuming it was Becky going out. Yeah. So I'm assuming it was Becky going out. Okay. No one saw her go, but no. just heard the door go yeah. and the assumption that Becky had left. Yeah. As their inquiries continued, they found that the last people who had seen Becky had been her stepbrother Nathan Matthews and his girlfriend Shauna Hoare. They had initially been hard to pin down for an interview but the officers were eventually able to get in touch with them and ask them to come to the station. Shauna gave her account of what had happened on the day Becky had last been seen. I think we got there about 11-ish, heard music upstairs, assuming Becky had been in then. Mm. Um, I went into the kitchen to get a cigarette and went to go outside to have a cigarette. My daughter started whinging because she wanted to come up with me, so I took her down to the garden to help feed the rabbit while I had a cigarette. Um, probably was about 15, 20 minutes. Um, then we came back up 
I went into the kitchen to get a drink, I think I was, and washed my hands. Mm-hmm. Then I heard the front door slam. And then I think it wasn't until a lot later on that Angie asked me if Becky had gone out. And I said, yeah, I heard the door go. She must have gone out earlier. Washing my hands, I think. I heard the door slam. Uh-huh. Front door. Um, again, I didn't look at the time or think anything of it, so I didn't really kind of like, oh, what was that? It was just, it was just the door, so I, Becky would have gone out. I've accidentally got this in the wrong order here. Okay. <laughs> you to clarify this. So, right, let me just go back slightly then, yep. if I could. The door slamming then, you've got to go from the kitchen through to the living room. Yep. So, uh, how far away from that front door would you have been? Um, but... <sighs> You've got the front door, the living room, and about halfway up the hallway mm. is the kitchen. Mm. So I would have been at the sink. So, no distance, <laughs> a reasonable amount, yeah. I'd say. Okay. Immediately before this sound of the door slamming, what could you hear then? Um, I think it was just CBBs again, to be honest. I was kind of more, you know, trying to make sure I had the vitamins back and get my drink. Yeah. Um, no, I heard stomping downstairs. That's what made me think that Becky left in a mood. So I said to Angie, because I said door slammed, but I wasn't sure if that was the wind. Mm. I took it because there was like quite stomp, stomp, stomp downstairs. I assumed, you know, she was in a bit of one of her tantrums. <laughs> yeah. Nathan gave the same account about hearing the door slam. Are you thinking that's the front door that's slammed? Yeah, okay. Um, and who did you think that was then? Well, Becky. I mean, I think what we're doing is we'll probably wrap the interview up. No, we've been talking for two hours, it's quite a long time. Um, My back's killing. So. I know. Several things stood out to investigators. Shauna appeared to be giggly and rather upbeat, and Nathan came across as unconcerned. Another thing that was unusual was just how much their stories aligned. Detective Chief Inspector Richard Acone said that most people who witness or experience the same events may give accounts that have incorrect details or don't slot together neatly. He said that in this instance, the fact that their stories were so similar indicated they had spoken to each other beforehand and colluded to make sure their stories matched. The search for Becky Watts continued today, family and friends scouring the parkland and woods near her Bristol home, hopeful they will find the 16-year-old safe and well. Volunteers came out in droves to assist in the searches. Posters were put up and people were determined they were not going to stop looking until she was found. It had now been nine days since Becky had last been seen. The police brought the major crime unit on board to assist in the investigation and turn their efforts back to Becky's house. They went in with a forensics unit to see if the house held any clues as to where she could be. They made a sinister discovery. Faint spots of blood were found on the doorframe of Becky's bedroom. Fingerprints were found in the blood too. While tests were being carried out, they asked her stepbrother Nathan and his girlfriend Shauna to come back in for a second round of interviews. Has has Nathan had any sort of concerns about speaking to us? Not that he's told me now. No. 
if he does, I wouldn't know then. <laughs> yeah, how is he finding it? Um, he's found it quite hard, actually. Again, he's kind of more thinking, my God, if it would... Yeah. Yeah. Or again, knowing how hard it would be for his mum at the moment. Yeah. You know, because Becky was almost like her da daughter to her. Yeah. And over the weekend, have, have either you and Nathan been involved in searching for Becky or doing any No, I wasn't stuff aware they were doing a search. I didn't realise yeah. until, um, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. I went on my Facebook and obviously it, there was news articles and pictures popped up mm -hmm. about that they did the search. Mm. Shauna's statement that Nathan was finding the situation difficult varied from his. I didn't particularly talk to her, but obviously I didn't particularly like her. And obviously what annoys me is the way she speaks to like my mum sometimes. Mm. She'd be kind of like rude or whatever, or trying to think of an actual specific time. Despite the feelings of officers, they didn't have enough to hold him in custody. But this would soon all change. The results had come back from the fingerprint that had been found in the blood on Becky's doorframe. It belonged to her stepbrother, Nathan Matthews. It would be several more hours before the results would be in on who the blood belonged to. They decided that if it came back as being Becky's blood, they would make an arrest straight away on suspicion of kidnap, and their worst fears were soon realised. The blood belonged to Becky. Saturday, the 28th of February, 2015, Nathan Matthews and Shauna Hall were taken into custody at a house in Bristol. The reason I've come here is to make an arrest of yourself, okay? And what I'm going to do is explain everything here now, okay? Let's put your hands like that for me, all right? Nathan was ten years older than Becky and had known her since she was two years old when his mother started dating Darren. Darren's relationship with Nathan had been quite strained. Nathan didn't want anybody interfering with his and his mother's lives. Becky's brother Dan got along with Nathan. They would often play video games and spend time in each other's company. But Nathan didn't interact much with Becky. He also didn't live in the family home. He instead lived close by with his grandmother, but would often go over to see his mother and stepfamily. When Nathan was 19 years old, he had come to the house with four young girls in the back of his car, none of them appearing to be older than 12. Darren refused to let him bring them inside and told Nathan to take them all home immediately. In her teens, Becky had struggled with an eating disorder, and whilst her family were deeply concerned, Nathan flippantly dismissed her struggles, saying she was doing it for attention. She had become weaker and would also faint, but Nathan still said this was all for attention. After a year, Becky had made it through and recovered from her illness. In 2008, Nathan Matthews was now 21 years old, and brought home his new girlfriend, Shauna Hoare. He had told his family she was 19 years old, but she wasn't. She was actually 15. Darren knew he was lying, and told him to take Shauna home. Darren had fought hard to get his children out of the care of social services, and he was not going to jeopardise their stability in any way. Nathan and Shauna stayed together, however, and went on to have a daughter. Darren initially didn't like Shauna, saying there was something about her that he couldn't put his finger on. 
After they were arrested, they were taken to the police station to be questioned again. After allowing Nathan to talk freely, building his confidence in answering their questions, they changed strategy and questioned him in a more direct way. You were at the address at the time that Rebecca or Becky, I think most people know. Becky, yeah. As, yeah, Becky. Or Bex. Yeah, okay. Do you know her as Becky or Bex? Uh, usually call her Bex. What we're most interested in is finding Becky. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what the police want to do. They were also talking to Shauna about her version of events. Everything seemed normal. Nothing seemed wrong. Nothing, you know, it all seemed kind of the same as it would any other day. Have you got any concerns or suspicions that Nathan or any other member of your family or extended family might be responsible for her disappearance? No. No. Anything that happened that could be significant in the disappearance of Rebecca? Are you absolutely sure? Yes. I know you've got something to tell us. Mm. I can see it in your face. I was just making sure there was nothing like a weird significant thing that I hadn't thought of. Um... I don't know. A forensics team was then sent to Shauna and Nathan's home. The house was in disarray. Every room was filled with items, clutter and mess. As the search moved throughout the property, one part of the upstairs floor immediately stood out. Going into the bathroom, the left-hand side of the room was much the same as the rest of the property. But the bathtub was spotless. It was shiny and extremely clean and this meant it didn't fit in with the rest of the home. Police have been given more time to question two people in connection with the disappearance of 16-year-old Becky Watts. As the questioning continued, the officers decided not to tell either of them what the latest developments were or what evidence they now had. Over the next two days, the forensics team continued to search the house that Nathan and Shauna lived in, and it was an incredibly difficult task, given the state of the property. Then, finally, two small pieces of paper would give them the lead they had been searching for. Two receipts for the DIY and hardware store B&Q showed that on Friday, the same day Becky had been reported missing, an electric circular saw, goggles, gloves and a mask had been purchased. CCTV from the store confirmed that Nathan had been the one to buy the items. Nathan Matthews and Shauna Hall were re-arrested, this time on suspicion of the murder of Becky Watts. Following this, the police had to break the devastating news to her family. This was now a murder investigation, and they suspected that Nathan and Shauna were responsible. Becky's father, Darren, said that it was in that moment his world began to fold in on itself. Before long, flowers were being laid in tribute to Becky as news started to spread. Close to the family home was St Ambrose Church. A book of remembrance was put out and the church was open until night time for people to light candles for her. Adding to the tragedy, she had been murdered on her brother Dan's 20th birthday. 
The interviewing officers did not disclose that they had found the receipts. They continued to raise the pressure by saying that the house they had lived in had been forensically searched, leaving the accused guessing as to what exactly had been found. Tuesday, the 3rd of March, 2015. At 10.26pm, a statement was given to the police from Nathan via his lawyer. Nathan Matthews refused to listen to it and stuck his fingers in his ears to drown out the sound of his statement being read out. It read as follows. I, Nathan Charles Matthews, accept that I am responsible for the death of Rebecca Watts. On the 19th of February 2015, I attended Crown Hill, St George, Bristol, with my girlfriend, Shauna Hoare. In my car I had a large bag, stun device, handcuffs, tape and a mask. I had developed an idea to scare Rebecca by kidnapping her. I wanted to scare her and teach her a lesson. I believed that she was selfish and her behaviour towards my mother was a risk to her health. A few minutes after arriving, Shauna said she wanted a cigarette and went into the garden. I went to the boot of my car, took out a bag that contained the items, then went upstairs to the landing before knocking on Rebecca's door. She replied, what? or hello. And I said, can I see you a minute? I cannot be sure which order things happened, but I used the items to subdue Rebecca. During the short struggle, my mask slipped and Rebecca was able to see my face. This caused me to panic and I strangled her while she was partially in the bag. The horrifying details did not stop there. After murdering Becky, he had used the saw he had purchased from B&Q to dismember her. She had been dismembered in the bathtub, which had then been cleaned, showing that the officers who had been concerned with how out of place the bath had looked had been absolutely right. As a result of new information received late last night, we attended at a house at Barton Court in the Barton Hill area of Bristol. The information suggested that Becky's body had been cut up and a search at the new location resulted in the discovery of body parts. Although formal identification procedures have not yet been completed, we have made Becky's family aware of this discovery. As a result of this latest development, a further three men and two women have been arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender. They remain in police custody at this time, as do the man and woman arrested on suspicion of Becky's murder. This is devastating news for Becky's family and friends, and our thoughts are with them. We will continue to offer every support we can to them during this terrible ordeal. After 12 days of hunting for Becky Watts, a private ambulance leaves the scene of a grim discovery. The find in a garden and terraced home on a small estate in Bristol was made by detectives last night. It was the outcome the teenager's family had prepared themselves for and feared most. The occupants of the house where her body was found were arrested for assisting an offender. They were adamant they had no idea what was inside the bags. They would later plead guilty to the charge. Two other people would also be acquitted of the same charge. The shed had been searched by Detective Sergeant John Dowding, who had found several suitcases and bags. The body parts had been wrapped in plastic bags and cling film, 
and cat litter had been used in an attempt to soak up the blood. Salt crystals had also been added to hide the smell. The pathology report showed that Becky had fought for her life with absolutely everything she had. She had sustained more than 40 injuries and had most likely died from suffocation with a hand covering her nose and mouth. She was then stabbed 15 times post-mortem. Becky had to be identified using DNA. The search for Becky Watts had been one of the biggest investigations undertaken by Avon and Somerset Police and for the officers who had worked tirelessly to try and find Becky and bring her home, this was a devastating end. Even though Nathan Matthews had provided the police with an account, they wanted to delve deeper and ascertain if this was the whole truth. They also wanted to know if his girlfriend Shauna Hoare had played a bigger role than had been suggested. When they interviewed Shauna, she was adamant that the first she had learned of Nathan being responsible had been the day before, when he had made his prepared statement. What's your knowledge of him killing Becky? Found out yesterday morning. You found out yesterday morning? Um, prior to that, I had no idea that he had any involvement in anything at all. And how do we know you weren't involved in the, the killing of Becky? Because there would be no proof. Mm-hmm. I haven't touched anything or been anywhere near her alive or dead. The horrifying account of what exactly had happened would finally come out. Thursday, the 19th of February, 2015. Becky arrives home after spending the night at a friend's. At 10.50am, Shauna and Nathan drive to Becky's home. After stopping at a Tesco's to buy some batteries, they know she will be in the house by herself, as Angie has a hospital appointment. Nathan normally parks on the road, but on this occasion, he reverses the car into the drive with the boot facing the front door. 11.03am, Becky sends her last text message. It is to her boyfriend, saying she is listening to music. She then doesn't respond to his messages. Becky is attacked. She is suffocated and her body is put into the boot of the car. 12.45pm. Angie returns home. Nathan and Shauna act like nothing has happened. 5pm. Becky's boyfriend arrives at the house, concerned that his messages are not getting a response from Becky. Shauna answers the door and pretends to look in Becky's room to see if she is there, and her boyfriend speaks to Darren and Angie. Angie agrees that it is unusual that she isn't responding. 7pm. After spending the day with the family, and with Becky's body still in the boot of the car outside, Shauna and Nathan drive home. After arriving at the house, they take her body inside, and she is dismembered in the bathtub. They then order a pizza and some Chinese food. Nathan Matthews then fakes a phone call from a friend, pretending they need his help. He leaves and goes to B&Q. Friday, the 20th of February. At 12.20pm, Nathan Matthews heads to a shop and purchases two bottles of drain cleaner. He then goes to B&Q and buys the gloves, masks, goggles and saw. 
At 3.10, Shauna sends him a message saying, What time you finish work, lol. 50 minutes later, at 4pm, the 999 call is made and Becky is reported missing. Shauna also shares Darren's Facebook post, begging for his daughter to come home. At 6.35pm, the police go to Becky's home and speak with Darren, Angie, Nathan and Shauna. Nathan and Shauna say they heard her leave the house the morning before. By 9pm, the pair have returned home and they watch a YouTube video called Do You Want to Hide a Body? On the 21st of February, the pair visit an Asda store and purchase bin bags, gloves, rubble sacks, cling film and bleach. The following day, they go to a 99p store, Anna Wilco's, and purchase a sponge, more rubble sacks and tape before going to Sainsbury's to buy cling film. On the 23rd of February, the police go to their house in a bid to speak to them, but they are met with silence and nobody opens the door. At 4.38pm, a phone belonging to the couple is used to search Find Becky Watts on Google. And just two minutes later, Shauna rings her estranged mother, someone she hadn't spoken to for four years, to arrange to go to her house that evening. On the 24th of February, at 2.19am, CCTV captures a white van driving from Cotton Mill Lane to where Becky's body was found. Her body parts are believed to be in the back of the van. Right, what was the question again? About the, the idea that you got, and you said it might have been something on TV or you had a dream. Well, I came up with the idea to scare her. Because... Like, to try and basically make her more appreciative mm-hmm. of life so she'd be more appreciative for other people. She'd be like, grateful that, you know, she wasn't harmed or anything like that, or, you know. Because obviously um, she'd leave things out on the floor of my mum to trip over and obviously would talk to her. Um, like saying uh, nasty comments and talk to her like dirt on the floor. And I thought if I was, you know, able to scare her, and obviously her not be harmed, and obviously being released. Obviously, when she got back, <clears throat> she obviously would have been scared and more appreciative of things. So tell me what you thought you were going to do. So obviously, stick her in the suitcase. So you put tape around her mouth so she wouldn't make any noise. What, um, what the plan was obviously once I got her in the car to make up some up to say to say to Shauna, um, obviously I had to leave, like to help someone or do something some up. I was thinking of like a wooded area or whatever to obviously take her back out. To obviously still have the mask on. I'll obviously like scare her and you know say some long lines of you know you've got to start treating people um start treating people better you know not being a bitch or self-centered and then like make a threat of um you know or you know or this could happen again or worse or something like that and i hadn't figured out exactly how to obviously walk like obviously walk away after 
without obviously, I don't know if she'd try and follow, I'm assuming she wouldn't have followed because out of fear he wouldn't want to follow someone who just obviously has done that. And obviously would have come back. Well, I would have obviously um, chucked away obviously everything first and then come back and obviously would have acted as normal. That come back to my mum's, obviously, acted as normal. The gravity of what it was he had done appeared to be dawning on him. Whilst he was giving this account, Shauna was still being interviewed. I don't know where he would have hit her, so to speak. I suppose there's no reason that you should or shouldn't believe me. Um, I can just obviously tell you that I genuinely had no idea. And yeah, I didn't always like Becky, but she was a nice enough girl. She was so young. And the fact that we've got a little girl ourselves. I'm carrying his unborn children. I don't understand how we could have done it to us. After 96 hours of interviews, Nathan Matthews was charged with the murder of his stepsister. They still didn't have enough to charge Shauna with murder, so she was instead charged with perverting the course of justice, and the police continued to build their case against her. Over the following eight weeks, they continued to look into every aspect of their lives, including phone records and their computers were also looked at too. It would be in one of Shauna's mobile phones that the key to unlock the case would be found. A series of messages had been deleted, but the officers were able to recover them. Nathan Matthews and Shauna Hoare had talked about abducting a young woman and hiding her in the attic. Internet searches had also been made for pornographic material involving people around Becky's age. So the first message is uh, 9th of 12th, 2014, uh, timed at 12.48, and it says to Shauna, and um, it says, fuck you, bring me back to pretty schoolgirls then. D1, I think that says. Tell me about that text message. No comment. Next message is 9th of December, 2014, at 18.14. It says from Shauna. Just went to Cospitters and saw a very big cat's pretty petite girl. Almost knocked her out to bring her home. L-O-L. And there's crosses and zeros. Shauna, what can you tell me about that? No comment. Am I right in thinking that this girl was similar to Becca's age? No comment. But, once again, forensics would show the truth. A bag containing some of the dismembered body parts had Shauna's DNA on it. And so did one of the masks. On the 22nd of June, Shauna Hall was charged with the murder of Becky Watts. Becky's funeral was held at St Ambrose Church on the 17th of April. The church service was open to the public, but her burial was private. Mourners lined the streets as her coffin was brought past on a horse-drawn carriage. A white dove was also released as her coffin was brought out. On the 6th of October 2015, the trial of Nathan Matthews and Shauna Hoare began at Bristol Crown Court. 
Becky's family sat stunned as they heard for the first time that two years prior to her death, Becky had told one of her friends that Nathan had explained to her in graphic detail how he had planned to murder her. She hadn't told this to her family. He had also been in the Territorial Army after being a cadet, and those who had known him during his time in the TA also gave evidence. During his trial, members of the Territorial Army gave evidence in court and gave a glimpse into a man with few acquaintances and even fewer friends. He had a cheeky confidence, said his former cadet instructor, but by the time he joined the Territorial Army, his temper was beginning to show. One witness said he would sometimes snap, sometimes throw things in frustration. The courtroom sat horrified as details emerged of how Nathan and Shauna held a shared sexual interest in teenage girls. Prosecutor William Mosley QC said, In addition to their apparent dislike of Rebecca Watts, there is good reason to believe that there was also a sexual motive behind the scheme, arising from a shared and natural interest in attractive teenage females. Shauna told the court that she was completely innocent and that she was actually scared of her boyfriend. The prosecution fired back, saying that they had acted as a team. Shauna's estranged mother also testified at the trial about Shauna suddenly wanting to talk to her after Becky had been killed. She said, I was joking and I said, I know why you're at my house all the time. You're running away from the police because you've kidnapped Becky. It was now time for the jury to deliberate and before long, the verdict was in and it was unanimous. Very good afternoon to you and welcome to BBC News. The stepbrother of the schoolgirl Becky Watts has been found guilty of her murder. 28-year-old Nathan Matthews suffocated 16-year-old Becky while trying to kidnap her from her home in Bristol in February. Her dismembered body was found in a garden shed. His girlfriend, Shauna Hall, was acquitted of murder today, but found guilty of manslaughter. After just three hours of deliberations, Shauna Hall was found guilty of the kidnap and manslaughter of Becky Watts. Nathan Matthews was found guilty of the kidnap and murder of Becky Watts. The jury did not believe them. It took them just three hours to decide the pair had conspired to kidnap 16-year-old Becky Watts and that they killed her in a sexually motivated attack. Finally, justice has been done for our beautiful Becky. After hearing weeks of harrowing evidence about how the schoolgirl was killed, her family gave their reactions to today's verdicts. Now the formalities have been concluded, we can begin the process of grieving properly and rebuilding our lives. Lives that could never, ever be the same. Listening, Becky's dad, Darren, and his wife, Angie. They now know that his daughter was murdered by her son. Shauna Hall was sentenced to 17 years in prison. Nathan Matthews was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 33 years. When he was led away to begin his sentence, he couldn't look his family in the eye and instead stared at the floor. I think today has brought to a conclusion six weeks of sometimes harrowing um, evidence. Obviously, in terms of my team, it's been seven or eight months now of investigation. This has taken an awfully long time. It's been extremely complex. I think certainly in respect to the evidence, it's been very disturbing at times, yes. Disturbing too for the judge who had tears in his eyes as he paid tribute to Becky's family. Clearly the, the judge is a, is a human being. 
And as we've already described, the, the evidence is extremely different, difficult to listen to in places. In a statement, her mother, Tanya Watt, said, My beautiful, kind, funny, loving, loyal, feisty, creative daughter has been murdered. Every day has been a living nightmare. It's like the worst of all horror movies, but this is real. This is my child. She was only 16. How am I meant to cope with that? Now, as her family try to rebuild their lives, Nathan Matthews will be in his 60s before he'll be considered for release. But the reality is, the judge said that may never happen. In June 2016, both Nathan Matthews and Shauna Hoare lost their appeals against their convictions. Following her death, a serious case review was commissioned by the Bristol Safeguarding Children Board. It concluded that her murder couldn't have been predicted or prevented. The report said there had not been enough attention paid to Becky's wider family, which included her stepbrother and his girlfriend. It said that Becky's sometimes challenging behaviour and her anxiety was a result of the bullying she was enduring from Matthews. Darren would go on to write a book about his daughter, titled Becky, the heartbreaking story of Becky Watts. He would later say in an interview, if they were going to hang him, I would pull the lever, so no one else would have to carry that guilt. The stress of what had happened to his daughter had caused him to lose four stone, or 56 pounds. He couldn't sleep, he couldn't eat, and he was barely able to keep water down. In spite of all they had been through, and the horrifying events that had devastated their family, Darren and Angie's marriage survived, and they remained committed to one another. My love for her is immense. It really is, uh, and it's unwavering. And I will, I've lost a couple of members of family because I won't turn on her. I will never desert her, never. If this doesn't break us up, then nothing's going to. The way the community had come together to help and support the family had been nothing short of incredible, with many lending a hand where they could and doing their best to help. A balloon launch was organised to remember Becky, to show her family she would never be forgotten. A march followed which brought the centre of Bristol to a virtual standstill. Minutes silence were held at football matches. For her family, the attention was hard but made them feel less alone. Just a few weeks ago, a baby apple tree was planted for Becky in this local park, a symbol of growth and hope. What I thought you saw right from the beginning was a coming together of this commu uh, community with a genuine concern and wanting to support the family in any way they could. The story of Becky Watts is both horrifying and heartbreaking. She is perhaps best summed up by the words of her family. She was like a tornado, hurricane and sunbeam all at once. She came into your life and made you feel alive. We are so grateful to all of our viewers and all of our patrons and we'd love you to consider joining our little community over on Patreon. It supports us as a channel and we couldn't be more appreciative of anyone that does so. It also gives you behind the scenes, extra episodes and early ad-free access.